So welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise podcast. Uh, before I get to my guest, and we have uh, baseball writer Dave Brown, who you know from Twitter as Answer Dave, um, I want to talk a, just for a minute about uh, the big news I had on Sunday uh, when I announced that um, I had my very clever headline, Why I'm Leaving the Athletic. Um, because a million guys wrote why I'm joining the athletic. In fact, I started at the athletic so early, people didn't write those columns back then. So I never wrote one. Um, it's really a pretty simple story, and it's it's on Decipio. If you guys want to read it, I can. It, it, I was going to say I could link to it from this post. I guess I could, but you can just go and read it. So I had written the cup of coffee which I did not name, although it's not a terrible name for a, for a column, uh, since the end of spring training 2016. So I picked a pretty good year. Um, and I was one of the first people hired after the original three of um, John Greenberg, Sahadev Sharma, and Scott Powers. And basically I got my job. I sent an email to John Greenberg, who I've known um, casually, and just said, you've got a brand new website and you need content. <laughs> Do you want me to write something? And to somewhat my surprise, he said, yeah. And um, so I started writing a Monday column. And occasionally I wrote some other stuff. I wrote the dollars and cents column a couple of times for him. I think once when he was on vacation. Um, and it was fun. It was a lot of fun to write there. And I did that for four years. So I was there for the World Series. I mean, that's it's pretty amazing. When I say there, I was in my house <laughs> for the World Series. It's not like I was, uh, you know, sitting at the press box. Um, and things were going very well. Uh, my column has had good readership. Uh, the comments were always a little sketchy. <laughs> there are a lot of people on that site who didn't understand that, uh, yeah, these are jokes, kids. Um, but it was pretty popular. And um, I actually got a raise, which was nice. Um, but then <laughs> the raise caused them to go, wait a minute, he, his contract has expired, and we keep paying him. I was like, um, is it Milton Wadhams from uh, from Office Space? They, kept, they just kept moving my virtual cubicle, and the next thing I knew, I was next to the furnace. Uh, but they did keep paying me. And uh, I kept writing, and they kept paying me. And so John's like, don't worry about it. Um, I can't publish your column this week. This would have been February 10th. Um, they're going to send you a new contract. And I'm like, oh, well, all right. Well, it kind of sucks that I got a raise and I got to sit out a week, but that's fine. And then one week turned into two and two weeks turned into three. And then on Friday, um, John acknowledged what I think we both had figured out when it took a month. Um, that I'm not the only freelancer that they decided not to, to re-up. Um, but I was on that list. And I don't think it's a terribly strategic list. I think it's, who's not under contract? Okay, don't sign under contract. Um, is there a chance I'll that I might write there again? I'm sure there's a chance. I really enjoyed it. I really like working with John and Lauren. And I uh, got a really nice uh, message from um, our, uh, our good friend Patrick Mooney today. Um, so I held no ill will against anybody there. What it really just means is I have to find some other way to uh, 
write and uh, sucker people into paying for it <laughs> or paying me for it. And we, it looks like we're very likely just going to go direct. Um, don't be surprised if over the next few days you see a way to sign up for a subscription newsletter that's going to be free for a little while. And then after you're like, I can't live without this, um, pay a very small fee um, for me to, to write it. Uh, I appreciate the outpouring I got yesterday from people who threatened to cancel their subscriptions to The Athletic. I don't suggest you do that. It's a, it's a great site. Um, unless, of course, you need to cancel it so you can sign up for whatever I come up with. Anyway, I, I completely understand. Um, but it was really nice. I mean, I know I have people who really like what I write, and that's why I do it. I like the I like the feedback, and I think it's fun, and you know, all the stuff that I do, the podcasts that I do, and the stuff that I write is because I enjoy it. Um, and so I'm just glad that there are people out there who want to consume whatever, whatever it is that I dream up. So, uh, that's, that's the whole story. There's nothing, um, I, much to my sh- surprise, if you told me four years ago, uh, that I would last four years, I would have been shocked. But then if you would ask me to explain how it all went bad, <laughs> and it ended. I would have come up with a much more exciting story than uh, your contract was up and they're they're trying to save a little cash and they're not going to give you a new contract. Um, that's probably a typical way that this works, but not quite as exciting as, you know, the Cubs calling the athletic and demanding that if I if they don't get rid of me that they'll never allow them access to the park. That never happened and never would. So anyway, that's what's up. Um, I want to get this out of the way. I didn't want to bore Dave with this. Um, so I'm just recording this right now. And then the next thing you're going to hear is an interview with me and Dave Brown, where we're going to talk about baseball and not all this other crap. So, uh, thanks again. I really appreciate it. And, uh, let's get on with the show. All right. I was going to say, welcome back, but since I recorded a, um, a little preamble to this thing, it would be dumb to welcome people back. So anyway, joining me now, is um, one of my favorite uh, baseball writers, and I think one of the funniest people on Twitter, uh, Dave Brown. You can follow Dave on Twitter at at AnswerDave. So, uh, welcome. Hi, Andy. Welcome, Dave. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. Flattered that you I'm ve- give me I'm, a little time. I'm just as flattered. I am very excited to be, uh, to be asked on something. This is what we and, should. Uh, this is what we should do the whole time. Is just talk about how excited we are for, yeah. for like forty minutes of. Oh, you think you're excited? I am. I'm actually more excited than you are. No, 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 no. I'm. I'm more excited than you. I don't uh, want to do that. You don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. That probably would not be terribly entertaining. Uh, but it is. Um, it's funny. It's. It feels like spring training should be like coming to a close. But it's not. It's like there's three March solid 2nd. weeks of this we have left. We are, yeah. Well, well at least a, the the season begins in in this month, yes. though. So in a way, you know. So here's a scheduling quirk. So the Cubs the Cubs open on the 26th of March, and then they have the next day off. You know, because they always have to have the built-in day for the, for the rain out, and then so they open on a Thursday. They have a Friday off. Then a Saturday. Do you know where they open? They open yeah, in, I remember. They open in Milwaukee. Where? Why? Right. Do, why do you need a rainout day in Milwaukee? Shouldn't they just play 
on Do, uh, Friday. Does Miller Park roof? Does the Miller Park roof get stuck anymore? And <laughs> or I don't know if it ever did, but oh, what did. if it got stuck open and then it um, rained inside? So I was a because uh, where I live, Milwaukee is actually even a little bit. It's it's well, it's farther, but it's faster to get to Milwaukee than Chicago. So the in '01, the first year was it '01 or 2000? 2000, 2000, the year Miller Park opened. Uh, a friend of mine, we got a 20-game season ticket package to the Brewers, and we picked the one that had the most Cub games in it. And <laughs> they used to do this thing where, uh, at the end of every game, they, this is this is as cool as it gets in Wisconsin. They would play the theme song from uh, 2001, and mm-hmm. if the roof was closed for the game, they would open it, and if it was open, they would close it. So all of us mm-hmm. yokels could stare at it and watch. Oh, look at that! It does work. And um, we were in the right field loge bleachers. And if you got a decent rain, it was cool to have the roof. But uh, Jeremy Burnett's would be getting wet because there were there were, <laughs> there were spots where the rain would just come rushing down through the roof. So it's still, I think, maybe they did. Maybe it is smart that they uh, that they also don't. They don't heat or air condition. I guess it's still called Miller Park. I think there's one more year before it changes to whatever. Uh, Is that right? I thought they were changing over, but. Well, Len yesterday said that there's one more year, and I believe he used to work for the Brewers, so I, I believe. Oh. Len, I believe Len Casper, even if he's wrong. He's a reputable source. They don't heat it or cool it. They have fans. Hmm. They can circulate the air. So if it's cold, it's cold. And if it's hot, it's hot in there. So maybe it's a. Uh, <laughs> Maybe the extra day is in case uh, it's too cold to play. I don't know, but I, right. it, it cracked me up when I saw that the schedule uh, they factored in a rainout uh, day for a dome. It was that's that is the I, I'm surprised that I didn't notice that, but that's the kind of thing that will sort of hack me off on Twitter, and I'll I mean not like I get like actually angry, but it will be something that I will make fun of. It'll repeatedly ad nauseum until it's dead. And even longer than that. I mean, that's uh, that's really silly to when you have a dome stadium to have a day off. So, I mean, I'm with you on that. And a, and a Friday. It just seems really odd. Yeah. But, Why wouldn't you want the people to go on a fr- I mean, people are going to go on a Friday to a baseball game. Well, you know, they might not go on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. The Brewers go on a Friday. The Brewers don't want Cub fans there at all. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's part of their... Um, you know, yeah, I chuckled when you said that you bought a season ticket package. That made me think of the Brewers, like actively campaigning against having Cub fans go, which I think is short-sighted. But yeah, they com- funny. They complained about that they actually operated at a loss last year. And it's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe if you would let all the people who want to buy tickets <laughs> buy them, maybe you'd make a little more money. I, it's crazy. I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't own a business, but uh, at. Uh, Seems like if you're complaining about not having enough money, not letting people pay you uh, is not a savvy strategy. You're right, I, I, and I don't know that I believe them when they say they're operating at a loss. But oh, I don't believe uh, what any you of say them. about. I don't believe no. Any of them. I mean, there's no, there's no reason to believe them. But I mean, I was trying to be a little, uh, give them a little slack. But um, yeah, but yeah, don't buy our tickets through one side of your mouth and. Oh, we, you know, we're we're hurting. We don't have enough fans coming to our games or whatever. On the other side, I know they have a small. You know, Kansas City is a very small TV market, so they're limited into uh, as far as what they're going to get from their whatever their marquee is. 
their Fox Sports Midwest or whatever they're up there. But um, yeah, to, uh, to actively say no, we don't want you Cub fans to show up is, I mean, it's kind of suicidal for a business to do that. So I don't have any sympathy for them. Well, I mean, they've got Wisconsin's got huge towns in it, like Monroe and Orfordville, right? And um, New, <laughs> New Glarus. You start adding those together, and you're talking hundreds of people. So I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really think they should complain about not having enough people, uh, just because Milwaukee's uh, population drops every year. That might be an issue, right? Um, but it's almost. Well, I couldn't like, name any. Any other towns that sound funnier than those than you named, that's pretty good. Well, I missed um, Footville is a good one. <laughs> there's a, a town right... There's no such place. Come on. There's a town right... Oh, yeah, the Footville and Orfordville are pretty close together. Um, hmm. There's a town pretty close to the Illinois-Wisconsin border in Illinois, and it's called Bigfoot. And I have a friend I who... I think you, I've heard of that. I have a friend who used to be a TV anchor in Rockford. And, you know, those anchors get... The local TV anchors get asked to emcee all kinds of stuff. And he got, <laughs> he got asked to emcee a regional beauty pageant. And he, uh, om- he never got asked back. And he thinks it's because he laughed when he had to inter- introduce Miss Bigfoot. <laughs> He's like, I think I probably blew it. I couldn't... Couldn't keep a straight face with Miss Bigfoot. It's hard to be a professional with something that hilarious. I mean, I sympathize. Oh, yeah, it's too bad. Um, so I don't know if you if you caught any of the. Uh, I thought this was ironic. So one of the things that the Marquee Sports Network is talking about is Crane Kenny's like, we are going to put microphones everywhere, and we're going to put cameras in places that cameras have never been. I mean, we're going to have one in the dirt right in front of Javi Baez. Uh, if Dave, if David Ross needs a colonoscopy, we're going to show that puppy live. We're going to do all this stuff. So today ESPN had their first spring training game, and they mic'd up Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and interviewed them while they were playing. I don't know if you saw yeah. any of that. It was very... I did uh, see clips. It was uh, very entertaining. Um. And it just brought to mind the fact that it's it seems odd to me that um, that this is the year. Maybe it's because of the off season that he had, but Chris Bryant seems to have completely come out of his shell. You know, he's what he's, a great quote he's turned into. Yes, when you couldn't get him to say shit if he had a mouthful for the first five years he was in Chicago. Now he's actually interesting uh, to talk to. But it was uh, it was pretty funny to see them, and of course you're like, wow, look at all this access. Oh wait, this isn't Marquee. This is this is this is ESPN. What the <laughs> what the hell did we need this network for that you are shoving down our throats? Right. You know, I'm not sure. You know, I I guess all baseball fans aren't necessarily alike. I don't know that I need too much access. You know, I just I, I do like to have a, a good conversation going between the broadcasters and the Cubs have that already. And then, you know, an entertaining product. You know, I don't know. It was, it was fun to see and listen to, uh, you know, Rizzo and Bryant and Rizzo making fun a couple times with the Astros and, uh, you know, talking about uh, some, you know, asking somebody to bang a trash can for him. So I knew what was coming and um, it was, it was good. I don't know how much that will translate into like the regular season. I could see where, where when it's not a, an exhibition game where the, the players on the team uh, or, you know, even if they're not the ones mic'd up, 
they might not like the intrusiveness of the, you know, they might get into the, well, we're, we're competing now. We're not going to be, you know, have uh, fun things off the top of our heads that we're going to say we want to, you know, get serious about this. And so I don't know if that access would be as fun over the entire season. So, I mean, God bless Crane Kenny, but, um, nah. you know, I don't know. I, well, maybe not, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think the expectation is that... I think the expectations are going to mic players during games, um, but obviously not. that They're not going to be chatting with them. (laughs) Could you imagine that? Like, it's September, and uh, Jim Deshaies (laughs) is is waxing nostalgic. You know, Javi, um, you remind me a lot of Gary Templeton. You know, (laughs) as a pitch is coming in that that hits hits Javi right in the Templeton. In the Temple. Yeah. yeah play. Maybe okay. Don't talk to the players while they're playing, Jim. That's that's fine. But obviously, in a spring training game, when you know, why not? It's just like um, Joe Buck interviewing um, George yeah. Springer in the outfield or in the All Star game. I mean, you know, why not? But I just think it was funny that after all the everything they've promised us, I'm sure they're going to deliver on. And and um, I got marquee right when I was supposed to. The it. Popped, it came on at 1 o'clock on that Saturday, just like they said, and I didn't realize I was one of like eight people in the world who that actually worked for. Um, <laughs> the games, the game coverage already is, you know, it's excellent. And that's the part that you have to get right if you're going to have the network. And we really don't need the rest of the stuff. That's all, you know. Right. Um, so it's at least comforting to know that, um, you know, the, the three and a half or four hours a day that I need them to be competent, it looks like they're going to be. And I'm like you. I mean, there were, you know, last year turned into such a slog that even though I was writing about them, there were games I just didn't, I I was home, I just didn't watch. <laughs> like, I can't do it. I can't watch them today. Right. I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. So, it's too, well, that, mu- that too much can be too much. Better. That, I mean, that makes me feel a little better. I mean, because I know how, you know, you're, I don't, I don't take this the wrong way, but in, in a way, you're like a normal person in that. You're not... I'm offended uh, by that. Fans. I mean, you, you oh. are turned off by bad entertainment. So I get that way, too, with uh, watching sports or anything else. I don't, I don't watch it. I'm not going to watch all three, uh, three hours of every game or four hours or whatever. But it's... Um, are they... I wanted to ask, are they... Uh, is the problem resolved with... Um, and I'm not remembering names of the different companies, but the carriage right, you know, is, is that still yeah, I mean, does, well, is everybody going to get the thing? No. Um, the big one is uh, Comcast is 60% yeah. of the Chicago market. They don't have a deal. Um, and then it was a big deal over the weekend when YouTube TV announced that they were dumping all of their existing regional sports networks. Um, and w- the ones they got from Sinclair, which is the company that the Cubs, you know, cozied up to, to get, yeah. uh, to help them launch it and get them placed. Um, and so people were very upset about that because a lot of people, not a lot, but there's a fair amount of people who had YouTube TV who were like, well, good. It's, they have all the other RSNs. Of course, they're going to get marquee. I don't have to change. And then right. they announced they weren't going to care. But then the very next day they announced that they were still negotiating. So it seems actually likely that they are going to get a deal done there. And they're going to be on Hulu Plus at some point. They weren't ready for the launch. And there are a lot of little um, 
they're on a little a lot of little cable carriers and they're on charter. Uh, but the big thing is that they're not. Comcast is a huge hole, um, and I've talked about it before on this very same podcast that the, the disadvantage the Cubs are at is that they're they're negotiating with a competitor. Because yes, right. Comcast provides internet and cable all over Chicago, but they just they own NBC Sports Chicago, and right. I, it, I'm sure it wouldn't break their hearts if opening day came and people had to like, oh, let's see, there is baseball. Oh, it's the White Sox. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, I, I can't imagine this is going to turn into a Dodger thing where there's cable companies that they can just never come to an agreement with. And it's if right. I, I think if I had to bet, I would bet that they miraculously come to an agreement with Comcast right before opening day. I just think Comcast wants them to sweat it. And, um, and then one of the interesting things that I've, um, I've heard, and I've heard it a couple of places is that the, the deal that the Cubs made with the, the providers that they have so far, at least the, the, the cable and satellite ones, direct TV and the cable ones that they got are it's, if they work out a deal with Comcast that is less, that pays less per month per household, then they have to honor that same price with the other ones. So mm-hmm. Comcast really has them by the shorts. Because if the Cubs want four ninety nine, and Comcast would only do three ninety nine, you think, well, yes, that's a lot of money, but is it worth it to not have them on Comcast? Well, if that means you have to go back to all the other carriers and knock a dollar off what they're going to pay you every month, yes, it's yeah, you can't afford to do that. So it's, it'll be, it's interesting. And, um, cause you know, when you become a baseball fan, the thing you really want to worry about is uh, cable carriage rights. You know, you, you don't it's want funny because yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you're, you're not worried about who the third starter is no. or, you know, who's the lineup makeup or, you know, are they, uh, what kind of analytics are they using? But yeah, you want to, yeah, you, you want to worry about the technicalities of how you receive the broadcast. It, it's so funny. It's uh, it's so amazingly different than it was when we were kids. When I was a kid, I remember. I'm old enough to remember when uh, Bill Beck sold the White Sox to Jerry and Eddie, and they put them they put the White Sox back on WGN for one year. And Harry Carey was the, the still the broadcaster, and he's on WGN. And it was like this is this seems like a great thing. They're off channel 44. You know, it's not a terrible signal anymore. And um, you know, Channel 44 had uh, gone off Spanish speaking. And um, and then, like, immediately after that, Eddie Einhorn and his broadcasting history, you know, he starts uh, with the on-TV and puts the White Sox in the scrambled signal. And, you know, the, the all the, 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 the smart thoughts in those days were that they were, um, you know, cutting out the, the everyday fan. And, uh, you know, the Cubs already were, you know, more popular than the White Sox and, at that point and that, that, uh, all the, the pay TV stuff wasn't helping. And, you know, I don't know if I'm not sure like who was right, but it, it, it's because obviously today there's much more money in, uh, you know, the, 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 the paying for TV than there was in those days. And there's more money in it now than there is for the, uh, than they, than the white Sox or, uh, or any team could make with attendance, all the money's in the local TV package and the, and divvying up the national TV package. So I guess there's no stopping that, but still something tells me that taking the, the, the team off of free TV completely um, is uh, a little bit of, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face. And 
uh, not growing the game with uh, younger people or poorer people, you know, who can't go to the game or can't afford a wild TV package. I think, I think they're still being, you know, 30 years later, they're still 40 years later, they're still being short-sighted about that. I can't like prove it with numbers, but it's just instinctually, that's how I still feel about it. Well, and it's funny, one of the selling points they, they have is, th- unlike last year, this year you're going to know what channel every Cub game is on. Like, I know because it was so taxing to have to check three <laughs> different channels. It took That takes like 15 seconds to do that. Are they on, right. G- are they on uh, GN? No. Are they on LS? No. Oh, they're on NBC Sports Chicago. And you're done. Right. You found them. But I did think that was the convenience. You can't beat the convenience. Well, if you can't that's, watch yeah, the game, that's games. a little condescending to hear that. Like that's a huge. I mean, I guess that's something that people. I can imagine people complaining about that actually, but I don't. Again, no sympathy for them, or I. I don't really think that's it's a huge problem, like you said, to spend five seconds checking different channels. So. Well, then their other thing is well, it, you know, you can still listen to them on the radio, because you know that's that's what an eight year old or a 12-year-old in 2020 yeah. wants to do is sit and listen to a baseball game on the radio. <laughs> Scooter, you want to go play catch? Yeah. It's- no, it's the fifth inning, and, uh, and Zach Zaidman just got on. I, I want to listen to this, Dan. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that. Oh. So one of the... Uh, one of their filler shows that they have on Marquee is the show called Cubs 360. And originally I thought yeah. what the idea was, it was, it was, it was they were going to con- complete the arc of the Ricketts family t- taking control of the Cubs in 2010 and in 10 years turning it around 360 degrees back, <laughs> back to a mediocre product. <laughs> I was disappointed that's not what it was. Instead, it was a... Well, they called it a round table show, but the table was uh, a rectangle. So, it, I mean, right away, it's face <laughs> advertising. It was, uh, hey there, Chris, Chris Myers was the host. Um, yeah. Uh, Lou Pinella, did, Mark, Mark Grace. Do you, uh, does the Chris Myers, I mean, I don't want to use the term carpetbagger. I mean, that's a little harsh, but he doesn't seem like he belongs. Oh, did you? And, and I've thought that before about other people. Did you hear how doing... he, Did you hear how he got his job with Marquis? Uh, uh, tell me. So uh, he's friends with Bill Murray, and Bill Mur- Bill Murray Bill Murray told Crane, "Hey, you know who you ought to get for your new network, Chris Myers." And oh, Crane's man. like, "Crane's like, okay." And so he did. He's not going to do a lot. He's going to do he's going to do some studio stuff, and then apparently he's going to Len is going to do um, more uh, Fox uh, national broadcasts this year. Okay. Uh, in fact, like he met, he said, I guess this makes sense. He's not going to London. The Cubs are playing the Cardinals in London. And Len's not going because um, they're not going to do the games. One game will be on Fox and one game will be on ESPN. So he's going right. to go, go do a different Fox game that weekend. But um, So they, they needed another play-by-play guy to fill in when Len's gone, and so that's going to be Chris Myers. But then there's also this weird thing where Len has also said that he's going to go fill in for Pat Hughes occasionally when Pat takes a, a break. And that right. just seems dumb. It's like, well, no, if you're going to do a Cub game, shouldn't you do the one on TV? Because you're the TV <laughs> voice of the Cubs. So this whole thing is, is a little weird. Um, 
So Chris Myers is hosting this Cubs 360 thing, and his panelists were uh, Lou Pinella, Mark Grace, Doug Glanville, and Ryan Dempster. Because, you know, you can't have a show without Ryan Dempster. You can't do it without Dempster. I would be very upset if I was Dempster, where they placed him, the uh, the only bald guy on the set, and they put him uh, with his back to the camera most of the time. So we got a nice, uh, <laughs> nice shot of back of Ryan's head. Um. And but uh, I watched it expecting it to be. I didn't know what to expect, and it was actually it was pretty good. Um, and um, they they started off by talking about the Astros and if baseball should have stripped the World Championship in 2017 from the Astros. Uh, Lou didn't seem to think they should do that, but he thought Lou wanted to find everybody, which I just thought was funny. He's like, find the players. Uh, you can. And he got on this weird tangent where he's like, uh, you can give the money to military families and policemen. Like, um, okay, that seems great. So they get to Grace, and he he gets both barrels out and says, yes, they should. They cheated. It was awful. Take the take the World Series. Take the trophy. Take everything. Um, and so he's clearly not a fan. So, and I've thought about the same thing, which is, we know the extent to which they cheated and they, they got away with it. And so you, you, you think, well, I mean, what good does it do? We're not, we're going to be college football or college basketball and you have to take your banner down. But then they went to spring training and after listening to Jim Crane and um, Alex Bregman, I kind of thought, yeah, go, t- go go take the banner down. <laughs> They're being dicks With about those it. attitudes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Crane couldn't well, I think his... Jim Crane is the worst. I mean, yeah. he's just, uh, you know, he's had all sorts of legal trouble from his previous ventures and having to do with paying off money because his company was racist and did racist things and, uh, you know, the issues with Brandon Tobman and, mm-hmm. you know, all, all of the, the people in the front office having something to do with, uh, this, this cheating and this electronic surveillance and putting it all together. And, um, and, and he saying, well, you know, I let my baseball people, I, I don't, I don't know what, this must be the only world where an answer like that is acceptable. Where you say, well, I let my baseball people do the baseball stuff and I didn't know anything about it. And MLB's like, okay, that's fine. And I mean, give me a break. I mean, either you should have, there's no, that's not an answer. I mean, either you are responsible for, you know, or irresponsible going back to the NCAA analogy, you know, institutional control, lack thereof, or, you know, you, this is what you wanted and the people were doing you know, either what you ordered them to do or, you know, winning at any cost with no ethical or moral component whatsoever. And I just, uh, you know, I can't stand the, the buck should stop with, with him and it didn't. And I think I'm more upset about that part of it than uh, even the players not getting punished, uh, you know, and I, I think that's where, Baseball aired as as much as any place in the whole scandal. Not you know, making sure, and maybe Manfred is is limited, and maybe he's not interested in pu- punishing an owner because he works for them. I mean, I understand all that, but I'm saying that that's where 
the biggest crock is in the whole thing. Yeah, when they asked you Darvish about it, you said if that was a if that was a Japanese league baseball team, they would have disbanded. The the shame of the scandal, they would right. have shut down. And nobody expected the Astros to shut down, but you know, the NBA made I know it was different. It was Donald Sterling was being a racist and you know, apparently um Jim Crane, you know, he he got his he got his overt racism out of the way before he bought the team. Um, sure. They made him sell the team, and you know, if if you could do anything that would that would force a league to say, "All right, buddy, you got to give up the ownership of this." I mean, if this is how you're going to run this team, it's got to go. And they clearly didn't even. I can't imagine there was ever even a serious discussion about punishing him. Well, based on based on how, uh, how it all went down, they were that was never no. selling a team was never something that they were going to consider. Or you know, forcing him to sell that was never going to be something on the table. I mean, they they fined him. I think it was five million dollars. Five million dollars. I mean, that's just they find him a drop in the bucket. No, it's a rounding error for him. Yeah. So, um, no, it's and then they talked about well, you know, what what could you do to the players? And the the idea was well, there's nothing in the CBA that would allow. Manfred to punish any of the individual players, um, but it's clear he used that as an excuse because you could have at least tried. And then if they filed, yeah, they could file one of those Chris Bryant grievances, and it'll last five years before they make a decision. <laughs> um, right. But you know they, and then the idea that um, well we gave them anonymity so that they could tell the truth. That's like all right. right. This, the, this the whole thing was, and even that's not true. No, I mean. It's um. Oh, you mentioned somebody. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I don't want to go off on like tangents, but no tangents. Are oh, you mentioned you mentioned Grace. Uh, did, did you find yourself missing him when he was not? When he was never, you know, it had been. Did he ever? I, I, did he ever work for as a broadcaster for the team? No, for the Cubs. I no, don't. He, no, I didn't think so. Yeah, he the, when he came back. What was last month, basically, when they signed him? That's the first official yeah. thing he'd done for the Cubs. He, he would right um, when he was doing games for the Diamondbacks. I think a couple of times they he popped over in the Cub booth for like an inning, but right. they had never done anything um, formally with him. He's I find him very interesting because um, in sh- small doses he's interesting. Yeah, and then after a while, you're like, okay, that's that's enough, Mark. Um, <laughs> if used properly, I think he'll be an asset. And um, on their the very first show that they had on a couple of Saturdays ago, they did this thing called Marquee Debut, some ridiculous name. And they did like little segments of things that you're going to see. And they did a segment with him and Anthony Rizzo, uh, both mic'd up at first base. Um, just kind of giving each other tips. It was really good. I mean, it's you know two of the best defensive first basemen in the last you know forty years or whatever. Yes. And that was really interesting. So if they, um, I mean, I always liked Grace as a you know he was when I was a kid he was you know one of their best players, um, and um, I it was weird the way he left because Andy McPhail had clearly been trying to get him to leave for years. He just kept giving him one-year yeah. contracts, and Grace 
stubbornly. It was like he he knew it was a hint that he was supposed to go get a multiple year deal somewhere else, but he didn't want to. Right. And then he did sign with the Diamondbacks, and um, you know he started off the rally in the ninth inning when they when they won Game Seven, and he gets interviewed in the clubhouse, and he the first thing he talked about was the Cubs. It's like, you just won the World Series for the Diamondbacks. And he basically said something like, right. I'm, not, I'm not good enough to play for the Cubs, but I'm good enough to play for a world champion. So, um, yeah, I remember I mean, that. There were certainly hard feelings. He never wanted to leave. Um, and then the Cubs, of course, had a grand plan to replace him. Uh, you know, they got uh, Matt Stairs. So that was great. It's one thing right. to try to usher your, um, you know, your very accomplished first baseman out the door, but maybe. Uh, Maybe get somebody to actually play the spot when he leaves. Right. Not a lot of players. And not a glorified pinch hitter or whatever. Yeah, or a, you know, a five-foot-six-inch first baseman. That was... <laughs> Matt would stand on the base a lot, though, so it would make it look like he was significantly he was taller. taller. Yeah. Well, the uh, – yeah, my memory of Mark Grace, I think my first year covering as a – professional reporter or even an unprofessional one was uh 98 the year that uh sammy sosa and mr mar mcguire saved baseball and i remember going to i I worked for the uh, associated press as a stringer and i didn't write but i would go down to one clubhouse or another and get quotes because they were so far away from each other when you know it's a logistical thing and i was a you know assistant to help out the the ap guy and i would marvel at, at grace um, sitting there after games smoking a cigarette and it's like I, it's not it's you know you, you shouldn't smoke and it's not great that a baseball player would smoke a cigarette and yet I found myself you know how you get sort of I don't want to say being attracted but I was like I sort of gravitated toward him I'm like this is the oldest school stuff I've ever seen in my life it's uh, like something out of the 50s and um, so I mean he was a he was kind of a, a quirky throwback guy at the at that point in his career, but it was just um, you know I I, I think um, you know if 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 the Cubs can bring him in like you said and, and use him in doses, uh, it it would be an entertaining part of the the marquee experience to have him as part of it. So I'm I'm glad on that level that he's back. Well, that that '98 team was like that had to be his dream, um, right? Clubhouse with Rod Beck, Rod Beck, Terry Mulholland. And then they, uh, and then the rat showed up, Gary Gaetti for the end of the season. Oh, that's right. I mean, that was a, it was a tremendously fun season, and one where the, you know, the Nephi Perez saved their season. <laughs> they yeah. lo- they lost in Houston on the last day, and then minutes later, like they're walking to the clubhouse in the Astrodome, and Nephi hits a home run in Colorado to beat the Giants, so they're tied. Two or three, yeah. And then they so they played that. They played the one game play-in game at Wrigley, and every, everybody there knew that this was the Cubs season. That this team right. was not good enough to win anything, but let's win this game and go to the playoffs. And so that was, and they and the team celebrated like it when they won. You know, they had a game in two they days did. in Atlanta. And they didn't care. They were all they were still hungover. They ended up they were in such a scramble down the stretch that uh, Mark Clark had to start game one 
against the Braves. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, uh, that's not setting up your rotation ideally, is it? Uh, Mark, I guess. Uh, see if you can, can you give us a good uh, one today. I don't know. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> oh man, he was country too. He was a very country dude, Mark Clark. Although, I mean, Rod Beck and so many layers to that season. That was so much fun for, like, no matter what part, what part you played in it. I and mean, obviously, if you're a fan, it had been uh, almost 10 years since the, the Cubs had been in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, if you're in the clubhouse, like you said, Grace was so in his elements, you know, smoking and having a post-game beer. And he had people to talk to his own age who – you know, maybe some of them had been through the World Series thing before. And, um, you know, Jim, Jim Riggleman was not much of a personality, but <laughs> he, seemed like, he seemed like a nice guy. And, uh, you, you know, people were happy for him. It was, it was fun to cover. Obviously, the, the, uh, the home run race was, was nuts, and then the Cubs scrambling at the end to get in. I mean, that was as, as much fun as, as I've had being in a ballpark, you know. I mean, that was, uh, that was something else that whole season. The those games against the Brewers at Wrigley, where Sammy hit, yeah, sixty one and sixty two, I think, Maybe right, sixty sixty one and sixty two. Those games were so nuts. I distinctly remember that the Saturday game, um, my yo- my youngest cousin was playing football at Illinois Benedictine, and so um, his his older brother, the one who was my age, and I decided long ago we were going to go see his first game. Um, or one of his, maybe his first home game. So we went to the game and we're driving home from Naperville while all hell is breaking loose. It really, and everybody's hitting home runs. The Brewers are hitting home runs. The Cubs are hitting home runs. Yeah. And I, I just remember looking at each other like, what is the score? <laughs> like, like all you could hear on the radio was the crowd just going nuts. We're like, is it 15 to 12 or is yes. it 15 to something 14? To something You'd have to yes. wait for Pat to get the abacus out and go and give you an update of the score. But those games were just ridiculous. And there was a whole weekend full of them. Right. And then they had the weird thing where that was when um, Chip was still doing Fox games. So I think Wayne Larravee called. Oh, yeah. He might have called 62 for Sammy. I think um, when Chip called the one when Sammy, I think 61, and Sammy pulled into a tie with McGuire. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that then McGuire would always go ahead, and then Sammy would catch up. I'm pretty sure it was Wayne right. Larravee that got to call the like 62. There was just all kinds of weird stuff that that season. And then, of course, um, like the week before, we'd had the no. I guess it would have been the it was the next week um, because it was in it would led into that last series in Houston um, when Brant Brown dropped the fly ball and oh. Ron Sano swallowed his tongue and. Uh, oh no no! <laughs> it's just crazy, and then, I don't know if you remember this. The very next game, so that that was the last game of the Milwaukee series, probably on like a Thursday, and then so they 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 start the weekend series in Houston, and in the first or second inning, Brant Brown's in left field in the Astrodome, and he got attacked by a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember and, that. And you're just like, How can I not remember you're that? like, buddy, you are cursed. He's out there oh, man. waving his glove at it, and the bird keeps diving at him. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I remember oh. all of that, but uh, oh, that I mean, that was a rich tapestry of a season. I mean, there's so many layers to it. Yeah, I think you mentioned the uh, 
you mentioned earlier, maybe we hadn't started, we hadn't hit record yet, but you're talking about uh, the Kerry Wood uh, docu- documentary or retrospective oh, yeah. that they played on Marquee that was from YouTube. I mean, the whole 98 season deserves, that could be a series, you know, uh, some kind of Netflix documentary, three or four episodes of just all of the weird things that happened. And, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to see, do you remember the, uh, the weird Harry Carey ghost balloon? Yes. In game 198. Yep. I, I looked for a picture for years online and you can find one now, but in the earlier days of the internet, you couldn't <laughs> find it. And I thought maybe I'd imagine the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, you talk about the, they could do, yeah, you're right. They could do a series on the 98 Cubs. They could do all this stuff. It's, it's too bad that they didn't, that they didn't get more advanced warning that they were going to have their own 24 hour network. Um, maybe if they'd known even a couple of years ago, they could have planned for this and actually had some content, but apparently it was a, <laughs> just a huge surprise to them. Like, wait a minute. Is that this Saturday? Oh shit. Uh, what have we got? We got, they got the Ernie Banks documentary and then whatever we got on YouTube. That's enough. That's fine. And it was funny because they actually um, all, I think all but one game in the cactus league got rained out on that Saturday the very first day of spring training. Of course. But the Cubs had to move the game because they didn't have, they needed the content. They, it's like, well, we can't watch this out. We're going to show this thing three times. That's, that's like yeah, nine or I, 10 hours of programming. We can't not play <laughs> it. And I was sure that like Chris Bryant was going to slip on the bag and blow out his knee in this meaningless first spring training game, just because their stupid cash grab of a network needed the programming. But, uh, Speaking of that, good transitional point. Uh, the, the cash grab with, uh, with with Chris Bryant, the stealing of a of a year of his life, and you know I'm old enough to remember when ball players won their grievances, and uh, maybe that was more like the union rather than individuals. But although Andy Messersmith won his, so it's happened before. But I was I was told that I, I shouldn't have been surprised that. Uh, Bryant didn't win his grievance, but I still, I don't know if it's the little Marvin Miller in me or whatever, but, um, I was disappointed nonetheless that, you know, I, I know that it's like hard to prove that you're not doctoring service time, but it wasn't it obvious that that's what the Cubs were doing. And maybe you have a different opinion about this, but yeah, I, was I mean, I think surprised it... and disappointed that he didn't, uh, win his grievance. I mean, I think if you saw Mike Olt that year. Uh, oh. If he hadn't broken his hand, I mean, he very well could have been the MVP. And I'm pretty sure that Bryant, I don't know, that, <laughs> I don't know he would have got called up at all. But then the tragic injury where Michael broke his hand, and they had to, they had to call Chris Bryant up just the day after uh, the service time threshold uh, passed. I'm sure it's just completely a coincidence. Yep. It's an amazing coincidence. I mean, they weren't going to. He wasn't going to spend too many more days in Des Moines, but they weren't going to call him up on the very first day. <laughs> that was the one thing that the old injury actually right. it forced their hands. Like, all right, fine, just bring him up. They were going to, you know, I, they were probably going to go four or five more days. Actually, I, they, Let's not make this too obvious. Actually, if I remember right, they, he opened against the Padres at Wrigley and struck out like every time. And Yeah. The Cubs, we didn't really know it because they were only starting to break these guys in, but they had already come up with the idea that they would bring these players up on a road series, usually at the end of a road trip. So they'd play three games in some other park and then come to Wrigley and kind of get all that first, um, the crush of the media and all that stuff for their for their sure. top prospects out of the way. And so I think all that happened was the old injury um, 
pushed it up by three days. They most likely would have not called him up for that Padres series, and when they went on the road, then they would have called him up. Um, but, yes, I mean, they absolutely, we knew it at the time, because I remember writing, you know, is for the Cubs, obviously, you know, 10 days of games is you'll take that trade for an entire extra year of control over the guy. So even, yeah. even in the moment, we all knew that's exactly what they were doing. And I, to me though, I, I didn't think Bryant's, um, I didn't think his grievance actually stood a chance because the, the, the method for calculating service time is part of the collective bargaining agreement. And yeah. the place to change it is there. And it's been that way. It's been the same for at least the last two CBAs. So I think it was easy for them to argue, look at the players where they think this is an issue. Why haven't they pushed for us to amend it in the CBA? Why do they want to go? The Cubs followed the rules, whether they agree with the rules or not. But now now they want to change it after the fact. So I, I wasn't surprised that he lost. I was super surprised that it took for frickin' ever to come to a decision. Um, although as somebody who just did not want to see him get traded... I would have been perfectly fine if they had never, uh, the if the uh, arbiter had just taken two more years and finally said, "Yeah, you know what? Um, he probably should have. We should have we'll given him it. that year, but it's too late now." But that's so. The, it has it uh, has it either ruined the relationship or maybe if that's not relevant, is there any chance that he is going to stay with the Cubs beyond this contract? Uh, he made it pretty clear that he was, I mean, now that he says stuff, it's kind of interesting to listen to him talk. Basically what he said was, he, he knew, he did this, and he didn't do it. I mean, Scott Boris said, we want to file this, right. you're going to have to sign this piece of paper. And he said, okay, I'll sign it. Because he felt like he was the most high profile um, guy whose service time had been manipulated like this. Um and that because they literally activated him the day that he the day after they bought the extra year that his case had the best chance of winning and mm-hmm. obviously i'm sure he would have loved to have been a free agent a year earlier but i don't think he ever he gave the impression that he really didn't think he was going to win um but that it was worth the fight and if he won great but if he didn't he didn't really expect it um, he was pretty adamant in that press conference when he first got to spring training, though, about um, he would, if the Cubs will pay him, he wants to stay. That there's there's right. no there's no broken relationship that he can't wait to get the hell out of town, and it's pretty smart. He laid it right back on them, which is, you know, he's a he's a really good player who's worth a lot of money, and if you want to keep him, you just have to pay him what he's worth, and he'll stay. The Cubs seem to have zero interest in doing that, which just boggles my mind. I mean, the reason that you go through the rebuilding and you do all that stuff is for two reasons. A, is to win a championship, and they did. But the other one is to get great players on your team, and they've got, you know, they got at least two in Javi and Bryant and then other really good players around them. And you're, you're not going to have that very often. So it's just ludicrous to me that when you do have it, those aren't the years you say, screw it, we're, we'll pay what it takes to keep these guys because in a few years, you know, we, we're not going to have any of them and we're probably not going to be any good. 
So why would we, and I know they have this, this idea that, well, we could trade him and then that'll replenish the farm systems. That's not going to work. All that's going to happen is you're going to give somebody else a great player in the prime of his career. And then you're going to, and the fans are going to sit around for the next 10 years and go, you know, I mean, how would you like to be Alex Verdugo? You know, the Red Sox fans forever are just going to look at him like, well, you're not Mookie. Yeah. You're not Mookie. Whoever it comes back to the Cubs and the Chris Bryant trade is going to be, you're not Chris Bryant. So it's, it's asinine to me that they don't just, they don't just do it. And then you'll find writers and bloggers stuff that'll, that'll jump through all these hoops to make the case for how, well, you really can't because the, the luxury tax, the, the competitive balance penalties are just too extreme. It's like, oh, that's bullshit. You know, these guys are billionaires, and they can right. pay it. Yes, it's, you know, it's not ideal, but the penalties aren't as bad as most people think they are. Um, and you're just, you know, unless you're the Yankees and the Dodgers now, you're not going to have a really good team every year. So when you have it, squeeze the most you possibly can out of it. And um, it just looks like the Cubs aren't planning to do that. Now, it does... The, all the trade stuff has fallen to the wayside. And I'm, I think the only way it kicks up again this year is if the Cubs are surprisingly out of contention in July. Um, so I, I think we're probably, I, unless they're, uh, unless they really flop, I think we're, we don't have to have Chris Bryant trade discussions until, well, the day after the season, then they really, run yeah. because then if they're not, then they're in the Mookie, spot you know it's one year left if you know if you're going to trade him you need to do it now um or are you willing to just let him walk it shouldn't be a conversation they're having because it should be about all right what's it going to cost to keep him but they certainly seem to be in the mode of you know we're only going to have him for two more years so how do we maximize it which is disheartening if you're a cub fan right so when the uh ricketts bought the team and in the period after that, there was a kind of a, an austerity period where they, it was obvious that they weren't spending all the money that they could. Um, is there, what do you think the reason is why they seem to be again in that mode? Uh, is it because the Cubs really are maxed out? Are they just being cheap? Are they, you know, does uh, Joe Ricketts not want to mix? the monies from the other family businesses is that, you know, uh, is, is that a, a good enough reason? Um, I think it's, I think it's yes to a little bit of all of that. I, I don't, I don't buy the thing. I don't buy the excuse that they don't have enough, that they can't pay the payroll. They can, they don't want to. I mean, rich people get to be rich by, um, only spending what they want. Right. Um, and I do think that they're, you know, they had, I don't know if they, I never was quite sure. They The the sale from the Tribune was structured in such a weird way because of the bankruptcy that yeah. they were, they had these, they claimed they had these weird caps on what they could spend. But at the time it really didn't matter because this whole strategy was to be bad and, right. um, you know, and get collect high draft picks, which to their credit, at least the first round, first round picks only, <laughs> they were good at. Um, Cubs have <laughs> not had much luck at at any pick uh, like ten or later. 
but if you give them a top 10 pick, they'll get you a guy you can hit. Um, but now, it, it I don't know enough to know if they still have to go back. I mean, the, those, when Splinter, that website that is no more, got a hold of all the Ricketts emails, and they had the thing in there where, where the mom, Marlene, she had to sell some stock so they could get, so they could get some cash, and they were taking money out of the grandkids' college fund for other stuff. Um, I can't imagine that they're still doing that. So I think that they're right. they're they're not spending because they don't want to. They they don't want to be in the repeater luxury tax just because they don't want to pay the penalties. I don't think it's because they can't pay the money if they had to. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and as a Cub fans, we're stuck with these people for a very long time. I mean, this is a family ownership and they're going to, you know, it's a, they've got a cash cow and they're not going to want to get rid of it. And, you know, we've been, we've been stuck with the Halluses and the McCaskies for a hundred years. And I think we easily could get stuck with the Ricketts for the next hundred. Um, I won't be around for all that. I don't think, I mean, I, I don't eat that many vegetables. Well, let's hope. <laughs> yeah. If I'm still, if I'm, uh, Whatever the interweb webs are in 2070, if I'm still writing on them, uh, someone please put me out of my misery. <laughs> well, I hope you still are. I've got. Uh, I actually, I've, I've sort of come up with more questions for you. If that's all right, that's fine. Um, yeah. Why? Why hasn't Jed gotten uh, a bigger job? Why hasn't he left and, and uh, you know? gotten sort of like Theo's job at some other team. It's funny. I think because people, of what you said about the draft picks? Yeah. Uh, no, they, they blame Jason McLeod for the draft pick stuff. They uh, they promoted him out of his job so he could take the blame for that. Uh, I think it's funny. People forget that Jed is technically the general manager, and I think even Jed does. Right. I think like they have to go remind him to go to the general manager meetings. <laughs> Jed, that's you. Isn't that Theo? No. He's the president. You're the general manager. But he does all the general manager stuff. Yes, Jed, but you have to go to the meeting. He's going to go with. Okay, fine. Um, I think it's pretty clear that, that I don't know if it'll actually happen, but it seems like the succession planning is Theo has two years left on his deal, and it'll be ten years with the Cubs, and he's he talks about how ten years is long enough to be anywhere that um, you know Jed is waiting to take the reins uh, at the at the least opportune time, because he'll take the reins right after the contracts expire for Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, basically anybody good. Everybody's contract runs out after next season, and that's the day that they hand over, congratulations, you get to run everything now. And he's like, wait a minute. This seemed like a much better idea eight years ago. <laughs> so I think that's why. And there were rumors um, when the Red Sox job opened up that they'd talk to Jed and he just didn't seem that interested. And I think it's because either he really likes having, getting paid a lot of money to not do anything, which is kind of the American dream, or he's just waiting because he's going to get to run the Cubs in a couple of years. Fair enough. Do you, um, I, one of the things, I don't remember if we mentioned this at the beginning or if we had been recording, but I, I, grew up and worked in Chicago until uh, about 2012. So for most of the, the Wrigley Field renovations, 
you know, it's a, it's, it looks like a different place now than when I worked there. Uh, but I have not really been back. Um, I'm in Kansas City now. Do, do you like how Wrigley Field has turned out, and is that a, a positive um, aspect of the Ricketts' ownership? Absolutely. Um, I do. It is funny, though, that they – Tom it, Tom has the worst sense of humor in the world, apparently, because he <laughs> joked that they, they, went, they, they went over their budget by 100%. And then when they didn't spend any money this off season on the renovations, and then when they didn't spend any money, everybody's like, "We got to fire Crane because he fucked that up too." And then Tom's like, "Oh, that was a joke." It's like, "Okay, that's not funny. This is stupid." <laughs> um, but no, they've some. He they, communicates nearly as well as his lookalike Ted Cruz. Yes, um, you know, most of the thing, most, most everything that they've done um, aesthetically to the park. They've done very well. Um, you know, there were people, and it's Cub fans are just the biggest pain in the asses, too. I don't want video boards. It'll ruin it. And then the video board is up for like <laughs> 10 minutes, and they're like, how did we ever live without it? And it's like, yeah, well, we shouldn't have. But we did. And then they're like, oh, I just hope they don't play too much stuff on them. Because it's like, what? It'll, it'll be fine. Your, your brain's not going to explode. Um, and I do think that the... Um, in 2016, they saw the immediate benefits of the improved clubhouse and workout stuff because Kyle Schwarber didn't have to be sent off to Arizona for the entire season. Uh, he was around the there team most of the time, and they said that was a big part of him convincing the Cubs that you know they saw how hard he was working, and they could see every day what he was doing. And then when the doctor said, yeah, he can play, they actually said, all right, fine. And he you know turned into a World Series hero. So... Um, it's nice to have a little more edible food in the ballpark. When I was a kid, there was, uh, you could have a malt cup and a smoky link. That was pretty much it. The smoky link. Yeah. Yes. In fact, that's funny because I think, um, I was, I ought to do Now that I have a lot of free time, I should, uh, do an investigation into this. I think that the Cubs had a version of the Astros sign stealing, uh, thing in place. Mm Mm-hmm. Or at least Albert Elmora Jr. thinks that they did. And that was whenever he heard somebody yell malt cup, it was a fastball and he was going to swing. Or maybe not. That was a laugh cough. That was good. That was good. I appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, you'd be, I don't know, you might be excited to know that they're, uh, they're renovating the press box. It's the last thing on the list. I mean, it certainly and it's, needed it, and they're actually yeah, doing it. Yeah, I don't know what they're. I don't know what they're doing with all the vermin, but maybe they'll build them a little. Condo. Don't talk about Sully like that. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been? You been up there as a press person? Have you ever been a press person? No, I have never been a press yeah, person. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, like Mike Murphy. Yeah, just like it. That's a guy I want to be compared to as much as possible. <laughs> all right. <sighs> I've never had a press pass. Like, oh God, he's not on anymore, and nobody misses him. So no, no. So I had one question. I do try and listen sometimes too. Yeah, go ahead. So I have one more question for you because I haven't been able to get an answer on this, and I figure you know everything. Okay, so thanks. They, they, not true, but they've obviously they've changed the rule this year for relief pitchers that uh, unless you pitch, you have to pitch to at least three batters or to the end of an inning. Do we know what is the penalty if they don't? 
Are they? Do they just physically tell the the manager? No, you can't take him out. He's got to keep pitching. And they're like, no, I'm going to take him out. Do we? Maybe we'll actually get fight. You know, get good old manager or umpire arguments again, because that's the that's right. the one thing that I don't. It's like, okay, we know this is the rule, but what happens if you don't do it? And then the other, I don't know the, I don't know. Yeah. And I the other know. question we had about this on a previous podcast was, uh, what? So the obviously the way to get around it would be to have the pitcher fake an injury. Oh, my arm! I think it's broken. <laughs> um, and so Sam Fells wondered if a pitcher has to leave an appearance early, does he automatically? Do you have to put him on the injured list? Is that the penalty? Right. It's like, no, he was injured. You've got to put him on the injured list. He's like, well, it feels miraculously better now. So I guess this is the stuff we'll find out um, on the 26th. If you had, like, Jeff Passon on instead of me, he probably could answer that question or the two-part question. So there is somebody who knows, but it's him. So, so. for, I'd say, a, a couple of months, I don't know why his name kept coming up, but on uh, it, Bill Simmons said Jeff's name four or five times on podcasts over a couple months span, and every time he called him Jeff Passan. Oh, jeez. That's like, that's glad you're referencing him and completely butchering his name. But, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a nice fancy way to say it, but it's incorrect. It yes. definitely is. Well, Simmons, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's got terrible diction. I hate how he talks. I mean, I've, I, I could never listen to a podcast of his, no matter how otherwise entertaining it might be, just because I, don't, I can't stand his voice. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's like listening, well, it's like listening to a White Sox game and listening to Ed Farmer call it. It's like, <laughs> why would you put yourself through any of that? Um, so it, it doesn't surprise me that, uh, do, do you think he was like affecting a little accent there to, you know, cause we call people by nicknames or, you know, maybe accent something to be no, he clever just, or funny or he had he clearly, know. he had never heard Jeff's name spoken. He'd only ever read it, and he apparently made him super French. Um, <laughs> no, to me, the things that make the Bill Simmons podcast more unlistenable than his awful deviated septum voice is he's the worst interviewer in the world. Yeah, um, he has the crutch where he just says yes when somebody you know the the active listening thing where you try to give a cue to somebody that if they're talking for a while, I'm terrible at it, but. Um, he goes, uh, yeah, yeah. And even when it's completely inappropriate and things like, you know, right. you know, uh, Bill, uh, Hitler wasn't all bad. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? Like, um, maybe you shouldn't just, just say like, yes to everything. He also clearly is one of those guys who, um, already knows the next question he's going to ask before you finish your answer. So that if you, you say something super interesting, he's not, he's just going to, he's going to run right past it because he's not listening to you. He's just right. ready to he's ask. He's not listening. He's just ready to ask his next question. Yeah. Like, uh, do you like the movie Slapshot? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like Jim Carr, the announcer in Slapshot. He's, is that right? <laughs> he's not, he's not listening to anything that is being said. And he has the best hairpiece. Yeah. In yeah. the business. Where did you get that run? <laughs> yeah, I had a yep. one, of, one of my roommates in college was a a huge Blackhawks fan, and um, and we were sitting around one day, and we're like, well, we were we were dry, we, He was in a room with three people who I 
I couldn't have, I could not have explained the offsides rule anything at the time, but we were quoting Slapshot and he had no idea what we were talking about. And we're like, how have you wow. never like how have you never seen it? He's like, what is it? I was like, all right, you're so we <laughs> we made him we forced him to watch it. But it's like, how you know seriously, you're a hockey fan and you've never seen Slapshot? Did he at least like it after that? Not as much as we did. Right. Of course, we probably ruined it by, you know, um, quoting it. Yeah, saying just as they were saying or just before. You know, oh, that's a dog that saved yeah. Charlestown. Ah, fuck that dog. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well, you've made me want to be a better reporter. Um. Although I, at the moment I'm just freelance, so I'm not really anywhere. Uh, so by looking up the consequences of this this pitching rule, so I it was a great thing. Maybe, just, maybe that's why I'm not fully employed. Isn't know, it great that I, I just the sprung it on you? You know, I, I, somebody with you know actual um, courtesy would have asked you before, "Hey, do you know what the answer to this is?" And then you would have said, "No," and I don't know either, and we wouldn't have talked about it. Right? Uh, no, I just put you right on the spot. Like, look what Dave doesn't know. Can you believe that? And he calls well, himself. Some, you want to be my maybe somebody salesman. with. <laughs> well, maybe somebody with better uh, reporting chops at the moment would have like known to look it up. You know, that, I feel like that's something I should have known. But I mean, it's good. I, I have been. I mean, and I'm not the only one. Admittedly, confused a little bit by exactly how this rule is going to play out. I'm interested to see. You know, will the pitcher, you know, be left in there interminably? You know, if there's no other option or what exactly, how do we move on to the next point? It's, you asked me a good question. I, I hope I hope there is an answer because the way baseball does things, yeah. I, I wonder sometimes if they've actually thought out, you know, the consequences of uh, the changes that they make. I don't know that they always do. Well, I remember when, um, when, when Madden was managing the Rays – in, they had a game in Milwaukee, and he um, he pinch hit Sam Fold for the pitcher, and there was a big rally, and he wasn't going to take the pitcher out, and then he took him out and let Fold hit for him, and he his guy wasn't ready in the bullpen, right? So he sent Fold out to make the warm up pitches, and then he went out to take him out before he threw a pitch, and right. Um, I don't know if it was council yet. Whoever the brewer manager was ran out and said, no, he's got a pitch to a batter. And Joe's like, he's been in the game. He hit. And the umpire stood around like, I don't know who's right. Huh? Gosh. They ended up, I'm, I'm, I'm positive that they let Joe make the switch. And then I think baseball later said they shouldn't have done it. That full should right. have had to have pitched to one batter. Uh, but even that, that's a rule that's been around forever. And... Joe's like, ah, fuck it, just have just have Sam warm up, while and that'll we'll buy enough time to get the other guy ready. He doesn't have to pitch to a right. batter, and then he got a lot of extra time because they all stood around in front of the mound scratching themselves, going, I don't know, <laughs> what are we what are we supposed to do? <laughs> so I could see the same thing happening, you know, the first week of the season where you know, dastardly little Craig Council has the pitcher go, oh my elbow, I gotta come out. And then they later they have to go. Maybe we should make the guy go on the disabled list. It's like I don't know what they do in the rules meetings, but um. that is an interesting idea. But uh, you know, I can see where. I mean, lots of guys come out of games and don't go on the disabled yeah. list. You know, and, yep. and it's 
it's either legitimate or it isn't, but the precedent has been set. Well, let me tell you they what, don't necessarily go. Let me tell you the solution I came up with then. Yeah. And that is if your pitcher if if you have to take the pitcher out because of injury before he has pitched to the three batters or to the end of an inning, then just like in basketball, if um if a player gets hurt and can't make the free throws, the other team gets to pick the guy to I think the other team should get to pick anybody on the roster to pitch. I knew that's where you were going with this. And I think I would it, love it. it. It'll never happen, but no. it is it's kind of genius. Yep. That's like all that's right. That's really that's really funny. Hey, Kyle Schwarber. Before we go, or is pitch whatever. The ninth. You mentioned Madden, and another thing, kind of like with Jed, that a thing that I didn't get, or a thing that I kind of marveled at more than anything. It was weird to me, and I think maybe we've even talked about this on Twitter, how Joe, weird, but then again, not surprising, how Joe went from the toast of the town to we can't wait for you to leave so quickly. Like going from, you know, hey, you're the Cubs World Series manager. You'd think, you know, I think K-Duck and I have talked about this growing up. Man, imagine being the manager or the star of the yeah. team that wins the World Series for the Cubs. You know, you'd never have to buy another meal, a drink. You'd be king, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, no, it, it went sour just like any other managerial relationship with either the fans or the players or whatever can go sour. It was, it was just interesting to watch how that happened. Well, and to me, the, the weirdest thing about it is it went sour during the game when they won the World Series. <laughs> fans were so upset at his at his pitching moves that they were that they immediately started oh they won in spite of him and it's like no they didn't win in spite of him there's no way they get and actually Bryant said it today he said we don't win the World Series without Joe Madden he's the only guy right. that could have all the crap that th- that manager had to sift through to get them there that he was the perfect guy for it um, and I've even done this whole thing where um, I mean I understood why he made the pitching moves that he made. And it all started with a blown strike three call against um, um, Santana. I can't think of his name. Um, Carlos Car- Carlo Santana. Car- Carlos Santana, yes. Which then caused, it was the third inning, to go longer. And Joe got Lester up. And then Kyle got back into a groove. But Lester, once he was up, he either had to put him in or not use him at all. And right. it started the clock too soon. And so Joe ended up having to go to going to John an inning sooner than he wanted. It moved everybody up. It then required a roll list to try to get through the eighth instead of just the ninth. And right. all of that stuff happened. And it's defensible. And the one thing that we'd seen from Joe the entire playoffs was he wasn't going to be the manager who made the move too late. He was going to err on making it he was going to make errors of aggression and right. it worked and it was ugly in game seven. And we all just about had, you know, heart attacks, but yes. it did work. But that was the beginning of, of the fans dissatisfaction with Joe. And I think Theo, Theo admittedly got really pissed off because the, the game plan they had laid out, Joe, got ahead of himself, but I don't think he, but in the moment he really didn't. I mean, once he had to get Lester up, that's what it all started. And, you know, I, 
I would have been perfectly happy if Joe was still here. I yeah, he's he was way too good of a manager for them to just say, okay, we're done with you. Thanks, thanks a lot. And right. they are convinced though that Dave Ross is going to be a great manager, and that he's exactly what these players need now with this part of their Joe was the, um, you know, just you be you, and this will all work out. And now the guys are a little bit older. And the Theo has decided they all need a kick in the ass, and that you know, right. Ross is going to be the guy to give it. I, I personally think all that shit is is overrated. Um, right. But yeah, I under. It is. It's it's completely it's completely strange. Like in as when the playoffs started in 2016, after the 2015 was just an amazingly fun season. They were they were good a year before they were supposed to be good, and even though it right. ended in a big flop against the Mets, the fact that they had. They won the wild card game and then knocked the Cardinals out of the playoffs. You know, that was just such a great season. And then when he got all the way through the, the 103 wins, <coughs> excuse me, now I'm coughing. The 103 wins. If you had told anybody then that they're going to win the World Series and Joe was going to be out of here in three seasons and most fans aren't going to care, they would have all thought you were, you know, insane. But it's, it's exactly what happened. Well, we're giving each other the corona. Yeah. Well, and uh, um, go ahead. No, I was just, uh, I, I don't know. I was going to say something not really terribly interesting about, well, I hope it all works out with uh, David Ross. Because I, I don't think there is, you know, I, I think we sort of agree. There's not, I mean, there isn't necessarily like a perfect manager. There's not only... You know, maybe Joe Madden wasn't the only manager who could have taken the Cubs to the World Series, but he did. And I think that it isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world to maybe change managers after five years because I don't know that the, the Cubs weren't listening to him anymore. I don't mean that. But, I mean, stuff does get stale. Um, but I also think that can be overrated. I just um, I don't have any idea how good of a manager, how soon uh, Ross is going to be. Because, you know, stuff doesn't always translate yeah, in, I mean, in the way a, you think it might. It's just a weird thing that in the middle of what should be your window of contention every year, you not only voluntarily change managers, you pick a guy who's never done anything like it. Right. It's, uh, but I guess that's... And then, to me, of course, it's perfect timing for the Cubs. They have this brand new TV network of which Joe would be perfect I mean, the guy is, of course. you know, his, his, they could just roll his pre and post game press conferences and, and kill two hours every day and right. he's gone. You know, they, before it started the most media savvy manager they've ever had, it's like, okay, well you can go and now we're <laughs> going to start our TV network. It's, you know, it's just crazy. Well, Dave, um, thanks a lot. You're welcome, Andy. I, I really enjoyed I pre- this. Thanks a lot for having me on. I love I love talking baseball, yeah, especially so, uh, uh, when the other person does too. Yeah, so uh, hopefully we'll do this again. And um, so that's all I got. Thanks a lot. I really, yeah. uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, so uh, people can find you on Twitter at, at Answer Dave. Answer and, Dave. Uh, and then I'm sure as, as you write uh, things, that's the best place to follow you to find out what you've written. So uh, Yes. You might, yeah, I mean, uh, I suppose like a baseball prospectus might be possible or 
I don't know. I don't know what's going on. The job market is not great right now. We could have a whole podcast about that, but that would—I don't know how many people would be interested. But it's. Uh, well, I wouldn't know so. anything about that, especially not <laughs> this week. <laughs> well, right. I look forward to reading uh, reading you and uh, doing other podcasts, or, or I mean, listening to other podcasts and and all that stuff. So, thank you again for having me. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Dave. Okay. Have a good one.